You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hello, Mosaic Church. It's nice to see you today. I'm Carrie Stevens. For those of you who are new, uh, Morgan is my husband. The guy, if you remember, he's up here most of the time. Um, That was a joke. Gosh. There'll be a few more jokes today, but at any rate. Um, It's really great to be here with you. I'm an author, a speaker. I'm a community group leader here at Mosaic. I have held babies, and actually, I have taught every single age group in MKids possible. My street cred. Uh, I was once a campus missionary here. Morgan and I served in that role. And uh, my the most extra thing I ever did for God was hand out flyers to students on campus while gigantically pregnant. Let me tell you, that is relatability right there. Um, but we're beginning a series from the book of John, First John, excuse me, and I'm super excited about this series this, that we're starting this week because I'm going to tell you that John is the best disciple, if you did not know. First of all, he is the one Jesus loved, says so in his gospel. Second of all, if we were to pick a disciple to run the anchor leg of the four by one or the four by four, we'd pick John. John was fast, right? Also says so in his gospel. So, (laughs) you can look it up later. But for the next few weeks, we will not be analyzing John's killer stride. We will be looking at this letter he wrote in 1 John to a group of churches to see how he's teaching us that the gospel can make us whole. Wholeness, or the process of living as the people God has saved, healed, set free, made peace with, and redeemed. It's a central theme in the gospel. It is good news that we can be made whole, is it not? The Apostle John was particularly clear about this in this letter as well as in his gospel. In the book, The Art of the Commonplace, Wendell Berry, a Christian novelist, a farmer, a poet of all things, he underlined this idea when he said, I take literally the statement in the gospel of John that God loves the world. I believe that the world was created and approved by love, that it subsists, coheres, and endures by love, and that insofar as it is redeemable, it can be redeemed only by love. I believe that divine love, incarnate and indwelling in the world, summons the world always toward wholeness, which ultimately is reconciliation and atonement with God. Now, wholeness, Barry is telling us, is a function of God's love as we journey toward reconciliation and atonement. And man, our world could use some reconciliation and atonement right now. This new series we're doing in 1 John for the next six weeks is all about kind of the nuts and bolts of how do we find that? How do we work that in our lives? 1 John offers us several tools that help cultivate the wholeness God wants to work in us and through us. And this week, we're going to be talking about one of the very first tools that he gives us. And it's a word he uses three times in the first seven verses of the book, and it's called fellowship. Let's try and see what John is offering us here. Here we go. 
what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's 1 John 1, 1 through 7. I love the bold promise John is giving us here in this passage. He says that if we will listen to what he declares, if we will listen to what he has to testify about, we'll have what he calls fellowship with God and with one another, and it will complete our joy. It will make us whole. So what exactly is fellowship? It's kind of a weird word, right, that we don't really use in our daily language very often. The word fellowship here is translated from the Greek word koinonia which roughly means a shared participation in relationship, okay? Now, it's usually used around kind of the idea of communion, which we took this morning, or that idea that there's a, a relational connection, right, a spiritual connection that facilitates and births our connection with God and with one another. Basically, fellowship means we're stuck with each other and we're not sad about it, okay? That's our working definition. Now, I've found over the years that the fellowship we often experience in some of our relationships, it doesn't exactly complete our joy. It, it more like completes our need for therapy. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which shows us this, just having relationships right, is not the answer to our deep need, our deep spiritual and relational need for connection and for joy. Fellowship is. Just having relationships can't make us whole. It's the koinonia, the fellowship John's talking about here that makes us whole. So how do we get that? Well, today we're going to look at becoming whole as we see fellowship within God have fellowship with God, and practice fellowship with one another. There's a lot to talk about here. We're going to see if we can keep up with our fast friend John and jump right into it. How can we see fellowship within God? Now, some of you may be asking, what do you mean, Carrie, within God? That sounds really weird. Like, is there a party happening inside God or something? And I'm going to tell you there is, actually. It's like a party up in there. Um, Christians have always said that while God is one, God is three persons, right? Matthew 28, 19, Jesus told us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says there's one name and that name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? There's one God, and God is an us. Because God is a divine us, a divine relationship. Just like in all relationships, there's something going on inside that relationship. So what exactly is going on inside the Trinity? 
Now, on one hand, to be perfectly honest, the answer to that is I have no idea. Because God is a mystery. I mean, kind of hard to figure out. Augustine once said that if we can understand God, he would not be God. He's too complex to really understand. J.I. Packer tells us that the historic doctrine of the Trinity confronts us with perhaps the most difficult thought the human mind has ever been asked to handle. So in other words, if what I say today makes no sense to you, it is not my fault. God, on a very real level, is a mystery. And yet, while God is a kind of mystery, getting as close as we can to that mystery, getting as close as we can to the presence of that mystery is how we grow spiritually. And that's what I want us to do today. Now, because God is mysterious and hard to understand, and the Trinity is impossible to grasp, sometimes Christians can kind of over-compartmentalize the Trinity. Okay, it's a noble effort to make it easier to understand. We try to kind of break it down into pieces. But we end up somewhere we don't want to go when we do that. To get us all on the same page, I would like to present to you an illustration of how most people, most of us, probably understand the Trinity. Now, I am not saying that this is what I believe, nor am I saying that this is what we teach or believe here at Mosaic. I wanna be very clear. But I'm gonna give you this illustration so that we can understand that sometimes the way we unintentionally think about the Trinity is not biblically accurate. Okay, so to start our illustration, I'd like for you all to imagine an airplane. Do you remember airplanes, fellow pandemic survivors? Here's a little picture to jog your memory if it's been too long. Now, in this overly compartmentalized and not theologically accurate <laughs> illustration, God the Father is the pilot of our plane. Now, can you imagine God flying an airplane? Just go for it. In this version, the Father is doing important stuff up in that front cabin. Now, we never see him, right? But we know he's there. Like he's there. He has to be there because the plane is flying. He has a flight plan for us and we like this. Now when things go wet really, really well in the flight, like we're making really great time or things go really, really bad, like the turbulence is bad, the people are not behaving, whatever, we get to hear God, the airplane pilot's voice, right? And that's very exciting. <laughs> he speaks to us. Because God, the airplane pilot, is ruling over everything. And he's a little intimidating, but we, we appreciate what he's doing for us, right? Now, while the God, the airplane pilot, Father, is piloting our plane, God, the Son, is seated in first class because he's royalty, right? He's high above us. Apparently, the dining options are divine, where he is. But the really cool thing about Jesus is that he's also like our guy, right? Like when we board the plane and we walk past the Son of God in first class, what does he give us? The nod. Because Jesus is going to give us an upgrade when he can, right? And we like that. We like Jesus up in first class. 
Now the Holy Spirit, on our not correct view of the Trinity plane, the Holy Spirit, are you ready, is the flight attendant, okay? And I'll explain why. The Holy Spirit is present, but not usually seen. <laughs> Often comforting and helpful while passing by, hard to get a hold of. <laughs> We're never quite sure what could happen with the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit is very, very busy. There's a lot going on. But we know that the Spirit generally makes the plane flight more enjoyable. And some days has a really good sense of humor and makes us laugh, particularly in the 1990s. Come on. Come on, charismatics, get with me here. Okay, this more or less is our incorrect view of the Trinity that we are just gonna take off the table. Because the problem with our plain model of the Trinity is that nothing's happening within those three persons of God. Nothing's happening within them. They're just all in a separate place and stuff's just happening around them. Our plain model falls apart completely when we consider what Jesus really taught and what John is getting at in our passage. So how can we better understand God and the Trinity in all his glory, well, I wanna give you a better illustration. Now, theologians use a unique word to describe the Trinity. It's a really big word, it's a super cool word, and you will have no problem working this into your daily lexicon. The word is perichoresis. It just flows, rolls right off the tongue. I would suggest adding it to your coffee order um, or to that text you're sending your boss about your time off later this month. Just add it in there. It just fits everywhere. Perichoresis. Perichoresis is what Jesus is talking about in John 17 when he prays and he asks the Father to show the world that he is in God and that God is in him. Like, at the same time. Do you see why the Trinity is hard to understand? How can he be in God the Father and God the Father is in him at the same time? I don't know. It's tricky. God is way less like an airplane crew than we would like for him to be. Perichoresis means rotation. Or even better, this is our illustration we're gonna go with, it means dance. God is like a dance. Now personally, I was never a dancer of any great, talent. <laughs> However, I do have a daughter who dances. She does ballet and modern and jazz and tap and all the things. And she performs and competes in these like really big deal uh, performances and competitions. And I know nothing about any of it. I just drive her there, right? It's my job. I'm a dance mom. Now, when my daughter performs in an ensemble piece, meaning there are lots of dancers in the, in the dance, I'm always amazed what happens on the stage within the dance. Because all these people, there could be 20 dancers in the dance, and they all move in perfect timing and movement with each other, identical movement in sync with one another. It blows the mind a little, right? I asked my daughter earlier this week how exactly they attain that perfection. And she told me that it's super easy, okay? So easy, we can all do this. I'm gonna teach you how to do it right now. First, you have to learn the dance and practice like a billion times. <laughs> easy. 
Secondly, you do actually have to have perfect technique, which I'm sure we can all attain, perfect ballet or modern or jazz technique. Absolutely easy. Now the tricky part, she informed me, and the way, the thing that's really amazing about them all being in sync, she said the way we do that is that during the entire dance, we always have every dancer in front of us and to our sides in our peripheral vision in sight. We always, every dancer knows exactly what the other dancers are doing at all times. Now, when she told me this, I was amazed because to me, that sounds a whole lot like Holy Trinity Fellowship, okay? Because all around us, everywhere we are, everywhere we go, God is dancing. Now, each person of God keeps their eyes on the other persons of God. They know each other's movements perfectly. Their technique is perfect. God is fully committed to performing the dance, the God dance, exactly as it's supposed to be performed. And he never fails. And he always executes it flawlessly, in sync with the other persons of God. And John is about to tell us that not only does that kind of cosmic fellowship and beautiful dance exist, but we're supposed to let it spill out and over us. And that interconnected kind of movement and wholeness that's happening in the persons of God, in the Trinity, is supposed to help us have fellowship with God. So let's talk about that. What is fellowship with God? What does it look like, Carrie? I know you're wondering. Well, I'm gonna just tell you, Jesus made fellowship with God totally weird. If you don't know how weird Jesus is, I'm about to just blow your mind because he's weird, okay? I love him, he's my Lord and Savior. But he said stuff like this in John 6. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. I am bread for you to eat, Jesus told a large group of people following him around in the desert. That's weird. It didn't make more sense back then then it makes now. And I know that's true because a few verses later, the disciples inform Jesus of this. They say, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Okay. So Jesus responds to that. And in his reply, he explains fellowship with God this way. Does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the son of man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life, but there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. So first of all, did you catch in our passage here, we have Father, Son, Spirit, all working working in some, dancing in some incredible way through this truth. And I just wanna add a little sidebar here. I love that when Jesus offends people, he replies to them and says like, oh, you're offended? Let me tell you something even worse that's also true. <laughs> you think it's weird that I'm bread you're supposed to eat? You don't even qualify for the bread until my father invites you. 
Jesus did not play. The point of his teaching here is this though. Jesus is saying that access to the Trinity, to fellowship with the Trinity, is what he came to bring us. Aren't we grateful for that? You can't earn it. You can only believe and receive it. It's beautiful, incredible. A few months ago, one of my oldest and dearest friends and mentors was diagnosed with brain cancer. And her name's Suzanne. And Suzanne is the first person who ever taught me about fellowship with God. 25 years ago, Suzanne taught me that talking to God like he's sitting right next to me in this room was absolutely the best way to pray. And she taught me that, (laughs) she has a big laugh. Suzanne had this huge cackle kind of laugh. It's hard to describe if you never heard it, but it always reminded me that, you know, God is generally in a good mood. Really? He's generally in a good mood, and I probably ought to be too. More often. She taught me that believing the truth about who God says I am is the easiest way to learn the steps of the dance God is inviting me to do with him. And she taught me to spend time in my Bible so I would know what God's truth about me was. Mostly Suzanne dragged me (laughs) into the dance again and again and again against my will sometimes. Just so that I would learn that it's not my talent that God's interested in at all, actually. He just wants to see how close I'm willing to get to him. So two weeks ago, Suzanne's daughter called me and told me she was fading. She wasn't doing well. And I immediately booked a flight, flew to Nashville, and I got to sit with Suzanne in her living room. She's in a hospital bed. And um, it was incredible. The way that joy and sorrow were kind of performing their own dance in that room. Uh, Her husband, Greg, was telling me about all the people, dozens of people who flew in that week just to see her one more time. And also incredible, Greg's an amazing man of God. He was so excited when he's talking about the homecoming she was about to experience when Suzanne was gonna finally get to go be in person with the God she had fellowshiped with her whole life. Just incredible. If you're asking why fellowship with God for us as individuals matters, I wanna tell you that as my friend's body weakened and failed, the light and the life that the Spirit and the Son and the Father had placed in her reminded me of two crucial truths about fellowship with God. Fellowship with God reminds us that we, that the best is always yet to come. Always yet to come. And secondly, that we are never alone. Up here on this stage, I'm not alone. There in your seat, you're not alone. When you're in your car, you're not alone. God is dancing in your midst and inviting you into the dance with him. There's fellowship within God, loving connection within three persons that spills out and over us as we fellowship with God making us a little more whole. And that wholeness, it pulls us toward our third point, our third way that wholeness does its work in our lives. And it's when we practice fellowship with one another. 
Now, 2020 and 2021 have not been banner years for fellowship. (laughs) Not the greatest. Um, As much as a lot of aspects of the pandemic have really challenged me, I have a confession to make. I love social distancing. (laughs) When it comes to fellowship, I like a little space. The first time I went for a walk in my neighborhood and I realized that it was now completely socially acceptable, even socially necessary, for me to cross to the other side of the street when approaching a stranger or a person I know. (laughs) And I got to like not interact on the other side of the street. (laughs) Thought I had died and gone to introvert heaven. (laughs) Finally, I am not a great evangelist, as you can tell. It's not the calling on my life. Um, Also, I did not like how many things got canceled. We had some really great plans that got canceled last year. But that open calendar, that completely like blankness of the calendar was almost like slipping into a bathtub of tranquility. Canceled plans are often my favorite plans. Ordinarily, my husband likes to pack as much as possible into every single day so that we can achieve as much as possible and do as much as possible and be as strategic as we possibly can. And wouldn't it be great if we did these awesome things again and again, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Every day. Yes. Every day. <laughs> He's getting excited just talking about it. I, I do. My need for therapy just went a little bit down just getting that off my chest. (laughs) It's been 20 years and your girl's tired, okay? (sighs) But I did not like that church was canceled. Well, it wasn't canceled. Morgan would like strangle me for saying it was canceled. (laughs) Adjusted (laughs) to online. Because I missed this. I missed all of you. I miss being in person in our fellowship. 2021 has taught me the value of fellowship with others while we've been apart. I miss seeing Luke as I drove into the parking lot. I miss having Randy greet me at the door. I miss singing in Espanol con todos de ustedes. Me gusta cantar en Espanol mucho. I missed hearing Miss Sheila tell me to get my sword of the spirit and my shield of faith and extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Who doesn't like an exhortation from Miss Sheila? Let me tell ya. It'll make everything right in your life. I missed amening my favorite preacher in person. It wasn't the same when he was sitting next to me and we were watching it on the TV. A little weird. I really missed bothering Pastor Brett by being so tall in my platforms. <laughs> Love you, Brett. I spent a lot of time in 2020 wishing we could all come back. Just wishing, wishing, wishing. And then the chance came. And the truth is, I locked up a little bit. It had been too long. I'd forgotten how to be with so many people. I had some anxiety about it. Can you relate? I had lost my church groove. There is such a thing as a church groove, I learned this year. 
And while everything has been trending slowly towards something more kind of normal, it's still a little strange to fellowship with other people, isn't it? I told Morgan last fall that if he weren't the pastor of the church, a lot of my sentences start like that. (laughs) If you weren't the pastor of the church, that's another sermon altogether. Um, But if he weren't the pastor of the church, I would have waited until I was fully vaccinated to come back. I just would have. And then I might have even like held out a little bit longer just to make sure we were all gonna be okay. Maybe this has been you. Maybe this is still you. Maybe it's still hard for you. 2021 is the year that I learned that fellowship with others is a spiritual practice. It comes more easily for some of us than it does for others because all spiritual practices do. If you're tracking with me and you've sort of lost your church groove a little, I just want you to know all is not lost. We just need more practice. As I've practiced this year, I've realized that I know God better when I fellowship with the Trinity and when I look inside the Trinity, but I know myself better when I fellowship with all of you. Our parking lot volunteers, they remind me that God has called me to be orderly (laughs) and considerate. I would like to formally apologize to whoever I honked to in, at, honked at in the summer of 2019. <laughs> I legit did in the parking lot and then thought, I'm the wife of the pastor. I <laughs> I just didn't know we were stopping. Okay. But our greeters remind me to be hospitable and to smile. Our coffee reminds me I'm a better human when I'm caffeinated. Our worship team reminds me that I really like gospel best of all. All gospel all the time, I say. Um, Our street ministry reminds me to be generous and compassionate. Our MKids volunteers remind me that there are angels among us. Our racial, political, socioeconomic, and generational diversity reminds me to pay attention, to listen better, and to speak up. Our prayer team reminds me to ask God in faith. Our sermons remind me that if we lose the gospel, we cannot win anything else. Our community group, my community group, I love my community group. They remind me that in the end, love makes space and a way for all of us. Fellowship with one another makes our joy complete. John makes an astounding claim at the end of his passage. He says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship is a really big deal. I suppose this truth has been staring us in the face ever since God looked at the first human and said, you're no good alone. We don't just know ourselves better when we fellowship with one another. We can only become who God made us to be when we are no longer alone. John says we get clean in community. We grow in community. We become whole in community. So as a girl, woman, I guess, who has a hard time sometimes in large crowds, who lost her groove, her church groove, for a bit and is still working on it. I just wanna say, I'm really grateful to be a part of this church 
I'm grateful for the dance we get to do together. I'm grateful for all of you who come in person every week. I'm grateful for all of you who come online every week. I'm grateful for the volunteers who make the live stream possible and the MKids possible and the coffee possible and all the things possible. I'm grateful for everyone who brings their fellowship with God in this place to pour it out on the people around them. It's an honor to be in this dance with all of you. I love you so much. I love you so much. My hope and my heart is that as we move forward into the rest of this year and we begin to grow and regather again and more people, new people come and get connected and old people like me come back and figure it out again and get connected again. I want us to experience the wholeness of God's fellowship together and grow to know that we are his beloved. Amen. I want to pray for you guys, for myself too. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for being so much more than an airplane pilot. God, we thank you for being three persons, for showing us this beautiful relational dance, for inviting us to take part in it. If anyone here just is like, this fellowship thing is still hard for me, or anyone at home, God, it's hard for me to get back in there, to do that, I'm not ready. It's okay, we've got grace for that. But I wanna pray for you. Go ahead and lift your hands if you're like, I need help with fellowship. I gotta figure this out better. Lord, we come to you as the people you made to be in community. You made us for yourself and for one another. God, I pray that you would light the fire of relational connection in our hearts. God, that you would give us wisdom about how and when and where to connect with your people and with you. I pray that you would unveil the mystery of who you are so that we would share it with the world, so that we would fulfill your call on us, Jesus, to go therefore and make disciples. Lord, let us not forget that we were made for a purpose, on purpose, by a purposeful God who is always with us and never leaves us alone. Lord, knit our hearts to one another and to yours. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.